Oh God, you spoke your word and revealed your good news in Jesus Christ. Fill all creation with that word again so that by proclaiming your joyful promises to all nations and singing of your glorious hope to all peoples, we may become one living body, your presence incarnate, here, now. In Christ's name, amen. Well, our one reading is a, a longer reading, so we will have just that gospel lesson from the fifth chapter of Matthew, starting at the 21st verse. And we're continuing in the passage called the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, but I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven uh, or by the throne of God, for it is, or either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, 
or no, no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Well, this is the third of four Sundays we'll spend in that portion of Matthew's gospel known as the Sermon on the Mount. You remember that at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus had proclaimed, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the Sermon on the Mount explains how far-reaching, life-changing that proclamation is for those who follow Jesus, for disciples like you and me. The Beatitudes proclaim blessings for people whom the world did not and does not perceive as blessed. Then Jesus pronounced his disciples as salt of the earth, light of the world. And he also announced that he had not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In the passage that we read today, Jesus reinterprets three of those laws contained in familiar verses back in Exodus, the 20th chapter. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Three of the Ten Commandments. Well, for most of us, we read down that list of Ten Commandments, and there might be a few that we're kind of concerned about. Maybe taking things in vain if you were stuck in traffic the other day, or I don't know. But when we read, thou shalt not kill, well, most of us kind of make a little check mark and say, now that's one I don't really have to worry about too much. But let me tell you a little story. There was a husband. He'd been a good earner and a good citizen, a good and faithful husband for years and years and years. But there came a night when he staggered in late, real late, smelling like the bar he had been in a lot of the previous day little telltale lipstick on his collar, and he had the fragrance of a perfume that his wife did not and would not wear. When he got to their bedroom, his wife was waiting for him, standing there with his double-barrel shotgun. <laughs> and she let him have it from across the room with both barrels and missed. Well, you don't have to know a whole lot about shotguns to know that for her to miss a grown man at such a short distance, you have to miss on purpose. Well, years, they kind of made up and all, but they rocked along for years and years, and there were days from that unhappy house, you could overhear her nagging, fussing at her husband. And every once in a while, you could hear him mutter, 
You know, there's some days I wish you'd been a better shot. <laughs> we know that murder is wrong, that we don't have the right to take another person's life, but we don't have the right to kill their spirit either. Jesus said, we don't, we don't, it's not a matter of just don't murder, but we have to keep our anger from messing up our relationships with other people too. If we harbor old slights and nurse old grudges and refuse to let old wounds heal, our anger interferes with our relating to each other and it gets in the way of us being the salt of the earth or the light of the world. In the book of James, we read that we're supposed to be slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. In fact, our anger even gets in the way of giving to God, so that Jesus tells us before making an offering, first get reconciled with your brother or sister. You know, there's an old song, get right with God. Well, this tells you, Get right with the people in your life as well in order to be right with God. Well, the Ten Commandments said not to commit adultery, but Jesus said that look with lust was something not to do either. Now maybe you remember, those of us old enough, uh, remember a presidential candidate being asked about that particular passage in a magazine article back in 1976, interviewer Robert Shear asked, do you feel you reassured people with this interview, people who are uneasy about your religious beliefs, who wonder if you're, you're gonna be a rigid or unbending kind of president? And the candidate, who's also a Sunday school teacher, Jimmy Carter, gave a long, thoughtful answer I've shortened it here, but what I'll tell you is it gives you more of the context than what all of us read in the newspapers back then. Here's what the, the former governor and the former submarine commander and the peanut farmer had to say. When Christ, what Christ taught about most was pride, that one person should never think he was any better than anybody else. One of the most vivid stories Christ told in one of the parables was about two people who went to church. One was an official of the church, a Pharisee. And he said, oh Lord, I thank you that I'm not like all these other people. I keep all your commandments and I give a tenth of everything I own. I'm here to give thanks for you making me more acceptable in your sight. The other fellow, the tax collector, you remember, went in and prostrated himself on the floor and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am not worthy to lift my eyes to heaven. The thing is, not to be proud, not to look down on people, but to recognize the simple truth we're saved by grace. It's just a free gift through faith in Christ. This gives us a mechanism by which we can relate to God. He said, I'm not speaking for other people, but it gives me a sense of peace and equanimity and assurance. I try not to commit a deliberate sin, but I recognize I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyhow. 
because I'm human and I'm tempted. He said, and Christ said some almost impossible, set some impossible standards for us. Christ said, I tell you, anyone who looks on a woman with lust in his heart already committed adultery. And this candidate then and future president said, I've looked on a lot of women with lust. I've committed adultery in my heart many times. This is something that God recognizes I will do. I have done it, and God forgives me for it. That doesn't mean I can condemn anybody else. Well, it can also be uncomfortable for many of us to read what Jesus said about divorce. But you remember that what we read, we read with our modern eyes from our modern context. You see, the Old Testament rules back in Deuteronomy, they don't approve of or forbid divorce. What they do is they regulate it. What, what Jesus said served to curb male power over women in what was then a patriarchal society. It helped establish a different kind of male-female interaction, one where women were not possessions, but people. As for taking this passage very literally, I have to tell you, I just cannot believe that our loving Lord ever meant this to be interpreted as a ruling that would require people to stay in a loveless marriage especially one that was abusive or violent. But it was a change in how men were supposed to look at women as people, not as objects, not as possessions. Again, you have heard it said that it was said of those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. We're told to be honest with each other. So honest, we don't need to swear. Don't you kind of wonder about folks that say now, they start off something, I say, now I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> or if you have to emphasize that, this time, it's a true story. What am I supposed to think about all that other stuff you told me? Jesus' disciples, both then and now. Well, we kind of thought we pretty much knew what those Old Testament laws meant for us. But you see, Jesus had a whole new way for us to look at the law. A way that will lead to a new kind of community. A community that embodies God's empire, God's kingdom. Jesus interprets the law not just in literal terms. You might, see, you might say he sees the big picture. He sees not just the trees, he sees the forest. In the verses we read from Matthew today, Jesus tells disciples, you have heard but I say. He tells us that under the law in God's kingdom, we're not to be asking, okay, now, what is exactly can I do or not do? What's the least I can do? We're to focus more on the spirit of the law. The old law was good, but the way it was being interpreted was not sufficient to build a life of righteousness. And remember, righteousness had to do with right relationships with God and with our fellow man and woman. 
Jesus tells us that being a disciple is about more than what we can and can't do under the rules. The old understanding of law missed the point of the law's intent sometimes. Jesus does not abolish or replace the law, but reinterprets the law. In this new interpretation, the law has an unchanging, enduring heart, but an evolving edge. Well, for example, it's always been and it always will be a law not to murder. But also, our spirit-killing anger, unresolved conflicts, those things have a cost. They get in the way of right relationships with God and right relationships with other people. Adultery does that too. So does looking at people as objects. So does not being honest with each other. Or so does, you know, that section on, on don't call another person a fool, which is just is such a contemptuous thing. Having contempt for people gets in the way of our relationship with each other and with God as well. At the heart of the word religion is legio, L-I-G-I-O. Legio is, is from the same root word that we get the word ligament. Ligaments connect bones, cartilage and bones, but connects, it's strong connective tissue. Well, religion is a connection too. It's the connection we have to God and to each other. So being a disciple is not about following a checklist. Did that, did that, uh-oh, better fix that. It's not an accounting system focused on whether you've been naughty or nice, despite what we sing about Santa Claus. It's a relationship. A relationship that works not because we are so good or because we do good, but because of the gift of God's abundant grace. Thanks be to God. Love the Lord, choose the good, and hold fast to God so you may flourish. Now may the wisdom of God, the love of Christ, and the peace of the Spirit shine brightly in your life this day and every day. Amen.